If you love Sports Bazaar and you love Mick and myself and who doesn't, why wouldn't you want to sign up to Bazaar Plus, our membership program, for even more episodes? Just go to the link in the show notes to sign up. It's Sports Bazaar. Welcome aboard, everyone. Anyone isn't happy, we call it all off immediately. The hunt for the weirdest. There you go. Can you put out a fact sheet with this? Slide <laughs> my mind. I don't. I can't <laughs> keep up. Strangest. Catastrophic, amazing, bizarre. Multiple layers of stupidity coming together. What could go wrong? Most unbelievable. It's like a Coen Brothers movie. Stories to ever occur. And they're only going to get weirder from here. Get comfy, everyone. Some good, some bad. And some just... Bizarre, which we love. In the world of sport. How many chimneys could you do in a day? I've researched the Tour de France, not chimneys. Sports Bizarre. Right, police are called in. <laughs> For the players. Dennis Rodman is telling you to calm down. Testicle soup. Can I just stop you for a second? Don't act like you've never done this. I feel like once again we've strayed away from what I've researched. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. An old couple who've got our spark back. It's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Welcome back to Sports Bazaar and the latest instalment of our FIFA, what do you call it, spectacular Our eight-part series, <laughs> the lifting the lid on the seedy underbelly yeah. of this football organisation. It, it is What's our job exhausting, here? isn't it? Like you and I were talking before we started recording this one about, you know, certain times so much stuff happens yeah. that you stop paying attention almost. You or can't keep up. You can't keep up. And it's a bit like that. Like the amount of times that there's some investigation that just stops. Yeah. And I, even when I'm researching it, I go, what happened with what that? What happened to that? And you just yeah. it just stops. Like Got taken just, out and it's, whacked. It's never mentioned again. So where we left you, uh, Sepp Blatter had just been uh, re-elected in a yeah. landslide. Little landslide. So the English and you know the Europeans are all anti him, but he still wins easily. He won. Yeah. He wins in two thousand two his second presidential election because they're not. He's not always challenged. So in two thousand two he's challenged. He wins one hundred thirty nine of the one hundred ninety five votes on offer. He's not challenged again until 2011. He can't even get up and speak at, <laughs> yeah, at yeah, a general assembly. There, yeah. So a big part, though, of his power base at, by this point has become the Caribbean. Mm. Caribbean's got 35 votes. It's the Confederation of North Central America and the Caribbean Association Football, CONCACAF. It's one of those shortenings that is harder to say. Right. Canada, North America, Mexico, Central America. This is there. But the Caribbean always... Because it's got so many islands and so many countries there, yeah, it has so many votes. America's just one vote. The Caribbean's got thirty-five votes. So if the Caribbean Football it's Association incredible. can kind of all vote as a block, they yeah. can dominate that every time. Has anyone ever tried to just disband FIFA? Has anyone decided to go? This League of Nations does not work. Let's all withdraw. So if the Europeans and the South Americans all withdrew and re-established it, yeah, a, a new organization. With a new constitution, surely that gets the there's, job done. There's been thoughts thrown of setting up an alternate thing or doing stuff, but it's always been seen as just rather try and take over and reform FIFA has been what they've more tried to do. Yeah. And I think each time it seems anyone gets into that, they succumb. It becomes to the ring. <laughs> well, the <laughs> mass, the, the, the election the mass, right? Side. You know, and then the problem that's happened too is you to come in and go, hey. We're going to let less African countries and Caribbean countries vote and Asian countries vote. It, it seems very Eurocentric. So people then go, well, no, like trying to reform it, you're kind of either being racist or colonial. or So it's had all these historical problems. Plus it just makes so much money 
people don't want to leave. Like they still want to win the World Cup. Like it's got them trapped. Like even now, everyone's complaining, but no one's not going to Qatar. It's not like Germany are going, sorry, we're not going to Qatar. They're all going to go and try and win it. Yeah, it's yeah, like, I get you, but I, it's just, you're right though. It's if there was a know. college voting system or something but where Brazil got 50 votes because yeah. of their status, and there's been and the Canary to, Islands got. There's a, been a attempts vote. to try and do some of that stuff, but gets voted down. <laughs> because if you're the Cayman Islands, what you're not going to vote to have less power. Well, you've just got your centre of excellence up. <laughs> you have a meeting at the centre right. of excellence and go. I don't think so. And we're in North America and the Caribbean mainly in this episode. And Sepp Blatter, he's got quite a few key allies, but two of his biggest allies is a guy called Chuck Blazer and Jack Warner are the two right. guys. Who are these guys? They, Paint the picture. Well, they run the CONCACAF region. So Chuck Blazer is general secretary and Jack Warner is president. And they deliver relentlessly to Blatter. They defend Blatter no matter what throughout most of his reign. They're massively involved in his downfall as well. We'll get to okay. how and why. There you go. But they always are looking after him and they routinely, you know, for this loyalty they give to him, he gives them a lot. Yeah. But they also routinely deliver him all 35 of the votes for their confederacy every time. So Chuck Blazer is an American. He's a massive guy. He's dead now, but he looks like Santa Claus almost. Huge right. beard, massively overweight, tall. Massive presence, big smile on him, right? He grows up in New York City to a Jewish family in Queens and he gets an accountancy degree. He has a very up and down business life early on. He spends a lot of years selling promotional and marketing items. Yep. One of his big successes is the smiley craze for buttons in the 70s. Oh, you remember geez. the little buttons with a smiley Jeez. face on them? He, he provides the a lot of those. Well, he's not really the brains, but he does a lot of the, he makes and sells a lot of them because right. he does badges and promotional gotcha. marketing things. He then, his son starts playing youth soccer in 76 and he starts coaching the team and he's never played soccer before. But then he starts being more into the administration. So actually rises quite high in the junior soccer administration. Yes. Now, you've got to remember in America, no one, soccer's got a good junior level, but no one really likes soccer or cares about it. No. So in terms of the professional level, no one's really. It's not a national pastime. No one's running it, right? In the 70s especially, right? So he starts organizing stuff. And in 1984, he takes his big leap. He wins the vote for executive vice president of the United States Soccer Federation, which oversees all soccer. So yep. you got to remember, it makes no money. It's housed on the 40th floor of the Empire State Building and it's flat broke. It's got a $60,000 deficit from the prior year and his position's unpaid. It's an honorary position. Right. No American wants this job, right? Yeah. He kind of likes administrating this and he starts to just think, and at the time this is crazy, in the 70s, Haviland has just got in as president, doesn't know who so he's not working in language. He, he can't no money. see the... Well, no, he starts to think, I reckon there could be money in this at some point. <laughs> but he, he, he doesn't know that. In this position, he goes to the board of CONCACAF and that's where he meets Jack Warner, who is yes. the head of the Caribbean Football Union at this point. We'll get into Jack's background. But they meet each other. They get along all right. But in 1986, Blazer loses the re-election. He goes and starts the American Soccer League. Yes. This is an attempt at, before Major League Soccer and all that. There's not really things. So he sets that up and he runs it from his house. That's how interested people are in it. Two years later, he gets forced out by all the owners of the team because he doesn't share with them the financial details. Right. They fire him. He goes and becomes president of the Miami Sharks, which is one of the teams. And he takes control of their finance, but then he gets kicked out after five months. And that's in May 1989. So he's had this taste of football administration. Yeah. No money out of it. 
and he's at a loose end. Jack Warner is born in 1943 and he's born in Trinidad to this very poor family. His father's an alcoholic and just never around. Right. His mum's this very stern Catholic mum and she cleaned houses. They were as dirt poor. They had no running water yep. and everything. He loves soccer but isn't good at it and he's an above every student. He ends up in the port of Spain in is soccer Trinidad. a big game? Yeah, there? it's very big. It, so it, is at cricket. that time. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, it's very popular, but it's yeah. they're poor. There's not a lot of money. He becomes a teacher. His only paid job for most of his life, officially on paper, is as a teacher. Mm. 1974, he gets elected the secretary of Trinidad and Tobago's Soccer Association. Tobago's Soccer yeah. So not, not a big job, right? This guy is a teacher by day. He's running this like small islands soccer administration, paying nothing. <laughs> His big break comes in 1982. The head of the Caribbean football unit is a guy called Andre Capavine. And in Suriname, in the Caribbean, he's the head of the Caribbean football union. He has spoken out against the government. The government soldiers show up one night, shoot his dogs, smash his phones. They drag him away and they shoot him on that night and along with 14 other dissidents. So okay. suddenly, brutal thing. But for Jack Warner... Door opens. This is an amazing moment because as the next senior member of the Caribbean Football Union, he gets promoted to be president of it, right? Gotcha. What comes with that is automatically a seat on FIFA's executive committee. And this is right at the point, you got to remember, when Haviland has just taken over and, and he's working pouring money in. So, so suddenly he goes from being a teacher that no one has heard of <laughs> to on a, the ex at the time FIFA is about to go on a rocket ship of money. So he's in there. Blazer shows up at his house in 1989 and says to him, he's unemployed at this point. So yeah. Blazer the American's unemployed. He shows up at Warner's house in Trinidad. And at the time, Warner's the head of the Caribbean Football Union. He's the head of the Trinidad and Tobago Soccer Association still. Yes. And he's on that FIFA Exco. And Warner sits down. This is where it's like almost Game of Thrones or, you know, House of Cards stuff. He mm. sits down with Warner and his wife in the kitchen table and he says, you should resign from the Trinidad and Tobago Soccer Association and run for the CONCACAF presidency for the whole of North America, Central America, Caribbean. You should become the head of that. The president, the sitting president is a Mexican. He's ill with diabetes and he's not going to be able to live the next four years of his term. And he says, if he dies, the next most senior vice president takes over automatically. If this guy's not challenged at the yes. next election, I bet you he'll die. You have to challenge him now. And so Warner didn't know this, but Blazer sort of like figured out, well, okay, you're right. If I don't challenge now, I'll never get that How has Blazer got onto this? Blazer's just working. He's, he's he in a different this. confederation. No, it? he's in North America, but it's all under CONCACAF. So, under he Conca get, so he knows the politics, even though he's right. no longer in an official job, he knows the politics of it. He says, I'll work for free for you to Warner as your campaign manager. We'll beat okay. this guy. What he knows is that the Caribbean can beat Mexico, America, or Canada because they're all just one vote. Yes. We've got 35. If we can get the Caribbean football unit to keep voting as a block, we can control CONCACAF forever. And Fantastic. so he says, yes, I'll do it. So Blazer masterminds this campaign. Jack Warner wins the CONCACAF presidency. So he's suddenly a huge player for all yep. of United States, Canada. And it's just ahead of a few years. It's 994. America's going to have the World Cup. It's already been announced. And he's going to be the president for all of that and all the money Incredible. that goes with that. Straight away, Warner, as his elected president, instantly makes Blazer CONCACAF's 
general secretary. And this is where these two then start to build their thing. Their reign of terror. They start to think. So they have no money. They figure out that when they take over in 989, the organization has a budget of 140000 It's got 57 grand in the bank and its office is in Guatemala City. Blazer moves its headquarters to New York. And within a few months, Donald Trump, a friend of his, <laughs> this is in 89, yes. personally offers him offices up on the 17th floor of Trump Tower. The economy's in recession. And so Trump says, I'll give you a year's rent for free and 11 additional years at half the market rate. Blazer, and he came to become very good friends with Trump, says the deal was evidence of some spiritual force looking after us. <laughs> So they've Incredible. taken over the North America, Central America, the Caribbean, and, and, and they've and aligned them and Trump's their landlord. Then they've aligned themselves to Sepp Blatter yeah. and said, "You look after us; we'll look after you." Okay. They've aligned with Avalanche originally, but they yes. cross over to Sepp. Now, in 1997, this is a year before Blatter does become president. A seat on FIFA's Exco opens up um, because one of the representatives from Concaf uh, dies of a sudden heart attack. Right. Warner is already on it. Warner says, Blazer, I'm going to get you on too. So we're going to have two people on FIFA XCO. <laughs> Other people say, oh, I'd quite like to do it from their conference. Warner allows no campaigning, insists on a vote via fax and announces without really showing any of the votes that Blazer's been announced. So Blazer suddenly is now on the XCO as well. Both of them are. And Blazer will end up sitting on five FIFA committees, including the XCO. He becomes a thing. Blazer becomes integral to set Blatter as well, because as well as giving the votes, he starts to work out that he can fix problems for Blatter. So when ISL collapse and they lose all their money, he comes in and fixes all of that. Blazer then by this point is suddenly bringing in money um, because of the money thing. So right. he lives with his girlfriend who's an attractive former soap opera actress. Keep him away from Sepp. In a luxury, yeah, in a luxury apartment on the 49th floor of Trump Tower. So his office is there. He often won't get up until like 11 o'clock and stumble down to the office, right? I like where this is going. He has a $90,000 beachside condo in the Bahamas. He had the purchase of all the adjacent apartments as well so no one else could see, could be near him. <laughs> this is what it means to be on the Exco, yes. though. All two dozen Exco members, FIFA, pay for Blazer to travel first class to any event and any meeting around the world. He stays at five-star luxury accommodation wherever he goes. Yes. He gets chauffeur limousine wherever he goes and gourmet meals, fine wine, gifts, and endless supply of match tickets to which he can do whatever with. Yes. So he's living this life where he's barely paying anything. They pay him an annual stipend. This is on top of his CONCACAF yep. money and everything, $100,000 not including all the travel expenses he can claim. Spending money. A yearly bonus of $75,000 at least, a generous per diem in cash when he's traveling. <laughs> Donald Trump becomes to like Blazer so much he lets him host his high school reunion in Trump Tower's glittering lobby. <laughs> right? Blazer becomes famous to soccer fans because he's outside the US, he's this massive big guy, he's massively overweight, huge beard, smiles and yeah. all of this. But in America, no one knows who he is. So he's one of the most powerful men in the world. Sure. But he used to walk around Central Park. He had a mobility scooter because he was so big, often with his pet parrot perched on his shoulder. What is happening? <laughs> Would he take his parrot to like... <laughs> to, I think he just did it in New York. I don't think he's travelled with the parrot. Did the parrot get a vote? 
<laughs> the, the parrot had a lot of money in its name. Yeah, but, but did the parrot get per diems? <laughs> I'll bet you that parrot, if we could get that parrot to talk, <laughs> yeah. it could probably cough them all up. Now, to give you an idea of what it's like, this is how powerful FIFA is, yep. right? In 2010, it's the lead up to the voting for the 2018 and 2022 World Cup, which Ooh. ended up going to Russia and Qatar. A oh, famous, so, famous, famous one. In much. 2010, accompanied by a translator, Blazer is on the Exco. He gets a meeting with Vladimir Putin. And not only like he doesn't, he doesn't ask Putin for a meeting, Putin goes, I'd love you to come and say hi. So he goes to Moscow. Blazer gets walked in, but a whole host of cabinet ministers, Russian cabinet ministers meet him. And he goes into the office of Vladimir Putin. And grinning, Blazer like clasps Putin's hand and takes a seat and they're all like, you know, and Putin's like, so good to see you. Putin says, you know, because he's got this huge bushy beard, he says, Putin says, you know, you look just like Karl Marx. And Blazer winks at Putin and goes, I know. And Putin laughs and raises his hand and gives him a high five. And we're away. (laughs) And we're away. In the office... Putin makes sure, and this is how much like Putin wants to win over. Yes. It's not Blazer sucking up to Putin. Putin wants the World Cup. He's sucking up to Blazer. Mm. He says to Blazer, now um, I understand, because this was a passion project of Blazer's, I understand you've got a travel blog on the internet. Um, tell us a bit about this. Putin Putin's said asking Blazer, tell me about your travel blog. blog. Oh, my God, here it comes. So, so he's sitting there and he's going, yeah, mate, like, tell me about it. Because back in 2006 World Cup in Germany, He's t- <laughs> Blazer's taken started this blog that's just pictures of him at the World Cup, and then it keeps going. It's just yeah. and it's not much written. It's just photos of him with famous people and all that. So it's got it's called Inside the World Cup. It started, and then it becomes Travel with Chuck Blazer, and we've got photos of this which we can show. Sure, and it's got pictures of him with friends, soccer officials, sports marketers, all this stuff, and it's beauty pageant contestants and all this. Right? <laughs> it's like Blazer just around town. Anyone can go on and look at this blog. Putin decides, like, this guy's obviously really into his blog. I'm going to sit and pretend to care massively about his blog, right? How can Which I is, help you rid- with yeah, your blog? How ridiculous is the yeah, Like, Vladimir Putin asking about your travel blog. And he says, oh, it's amazing. And Blazer says, look, it's hard to often write stuff. I often just put up pictures because it's demanding with all these, I love to write all the time, but I just like putting up the... Putin's listening intensely to this guy, going into enormous detail about his travel blog. Yep. And going, oh, that's amazing. And he's saying, oh, tell me more about it. Keep saying, tell me more about it. <laughs> this is what Putin says. Yes. He's, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take a long trip into the Russian countryside at the end of summer. If I send you pictures from my trip, this is Putin, would you post them on your blog? <laughs> and oh and Blazer goes, is flattered and goes, oh, I'd love to. Like, really? He goes, yeah, I'll send you pictures of me. And <laughs> we've got pictures of Putin, like, with a goat and all it's, this it's, stuff. It's not that shot of him on the horse with it's no like top those, on. It's <laughs> exactly like those pictures. So just imagine, like, Putin out in the Russian wilderness. He's good to his way. He, he says to Blazer, would you be interested if I gave you some pictures of me on my holiday for, for your wow. blog? And he goes, I'd love to. I'll change the name of my blog, which he does, to Travels with Chuck Blazer and his friends. <laughs> right? <laughs> Putin's then good to his word and sends him 20 holiday snaps of him all around the thing. Blazer later yes. on changes his vote from England to Russia for the 2018 World Cup. Because he's for friend now because he's travelling with Chuck and friends. Isn't that like 
Wow. So this is the power these guys have, right? Like these Vladimir Putin pretending to care about a guy's travel. Probably didn't even want to go on holidays. Probably had to go and take shots of himself. How many more of these do we need? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> if we point this way, we'll lock them in another place. So that's sort of Now to give you an idea of um, this close alliance of Warner, Blazer and Blatter. Right. So they're the sort of the big three running a lot of this at the moment. It gives enormous benefits to all involved. So Blatter gets the votes and he gets people who are his point men on a whole bunch of issues and defending yeah. this thing. CONCACAF, though, its receipts grow from zero in 1990 to $35 million in 2009. And its prestige with both of them on the Exco is, is huge. Yeah. Trinidad hosts the US soccer team for one of the World Cup qualifiers. Which is a huge thing, right? <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Trinidad Soccer Association, somehow for this match, so the US are coming to Trinidad yes. to play a qualifier. Trinidad, somehow, the Soccer Association, of which, you know, Warner controls, yes. somehow accidentally managed to print 20,000 more tickets for the match than there were seats in the stadium. And they all got sold <laughs> <laughs> by accident. So the facility, the stadium's design, the Port of Spain's oh. National Stadium can host. 25,000 people, but 40,000 people cram in. That's incredible. With still people outside. So it's a it's printing error. Fans are so furious because a lot of them, it's either so crowded or they can't get in that they storm the team buses at some point and there's an outcry and it prompts a federal in um, Trinidad, a federal inquiry. Warner, who's the association secretary, says, Look, only actually 28,500 tickets got sold. So I don't know why everyone, I think a lot of these are just pure counterfeit tickets. <laughs> Investigators look over it and go, that's just not the case. These are all the same. They're all legit. They're not things. Warner then admits a few months later under all this heavy investigation yes. that the total number of tickets that had in fact been printed was 43,000. <laughs> What did he expect was going to happen? He then denies he profited from it. He says, I deny I profited from this. This was just a mistake. And he's never held to account. The ticket sale money is never accounted for in any way, shape or form and no refunds are ever issued. It just goes away. It just, no one investigates. FIFA don't investigate. He's got a lot of power in Trinidad. It just is like, oh, well, let's move on. It was an easy mistake. So this is how they're making it. It wasn't investigated. It sort of started being investigated and then it just went, oh, well. And he just used his power. To, and the thing about Warner, even Blazer, who makes a lot of money, the American, thinks of Warner as yeah. this. Uh, he says Warner is obsessed with money, which makes sense. Warner grew up in that. Shaq in Trinidad with no water. Like Warner is any way he can legally or illegally make money. He's doing it, right? The investigating isn't the West Indies strong suit. No. Either, by the way. Do you remember the World Cup? Yeah. So the World Cup of cricket. Yeah. And it was on Jamaica. And the English coach was stabbed, I believe, to death in his hotel room. Yeah. CSI Jamaica <laughs> turned up. They announced it to natural causes, man. Well, straight away. Like, it uh, was natural. They apparently, I think he got thrown out of a window. I'll have to check my facts on this. Yeah, yeah. He got thrown out of the window like, and just stabbed him and they said it was... <laughs> Pretty sure it's natural cause. Natural cause. So anyway, I, had there been an investigation... He naturally stabbed himself to death and then threw himself out of the window. I'll get the, I'll get the basics. So that happens now and everyone just goes, oh, well, move on. Move on. Bladder lavishes FIFA funds 
on soccer development for all these pet projects of Warner and Blazers, yeah. right? So $3 million is given to it for a new television studio in Trump Tower's offices. So, you know, they've got their drum. They've got their own floor here. And here yeah, yeah, they? yeah, they do. And Blazer keeps saying to Blade, I, I want $3 million to build a television studio in there. So he goes, fine, build one. Here's $3 million. There's a huge sports, entertainment and hotel complex that Warner builds in Trinidad. Yeah. And it's cost $26 million, most of which Sepp Blatter gives him. It turns out later that even when he leaves CONCACAF, yes. Warner has moved the ownership of that whole facility, the $26 million sports, entertainment and hotel complex, into his own name. <laughs> so, so CONCACAF find it, they don't even own it. <laughs> so this is a – Blazer's daughter who's a lawyer Genius. is for several years given a seat on FIFA's legal committee. Warner's younger son, Daryl, works as a FIFA development officer in the Caribbean, giving out more of the <laughs> organisation's money. Officer. He's discovered later on dumping lots of money all through different bank accounts sure. in America and gets goes to jail for it. When Cameroon soccer official, uh, remember, uh, in 2002, Asaya Hayatu runs against Blatter, um, he asks to address CONCACAF's membership at their thing. Correct. Warner says there's a ruling that only a sitting FIFA president can address the Congress and says no. So they, they look after Blatter in those ways while this is all happening. Did you see that footage recently? The Chinese Communist Party meeting where oh, formal, formal leaders were just taken out yeah. and removed in a very yeah. public way. Yeah. This is, this is has like, the same sense it's of the vibe is exactly of, the same. It's like <laughs> you don't know, you got speak. In 2006, Trinidad finally qualifies for its first World Cup, which triggers a large allocation of tickets by FIFA to Trinidad, right? So right. because you're in. Sure. Under FIFA rules, its officials can't resell tickets for more than face value, right? So they get given tickets, but they can sell yeah. them. But, they, but as two secret investigations by auditors Ernst and Young were leaked. So they never were public news, but they were leaked to the press, showing that Warner had made more than $900,000 from scalping the World Cup passes. <laughs> so the evidence is there. They've got it leaks. It's public. He scalped twice as many as he was originally given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened. This is after the printing. The yeah, tweet. Yeah. So anyway, Ernst and Young have this document that's documented. It's there. Warner has made more than nine hundred thousand dollars scalping the World Cup tickets. Right. So it's all over I, for Warner, surely. All over, you'd think. So presented with all this evidence, everyone's most powerful officials, FIFA expresses disapproval but said it would not discipline him and close the case. <laughs> so, like so they just go, mm, yeah, because it's their own rules, right? Like it's their – it's They were disappointed. He's breaking FIFA's rules. He, he's not breaking like America or Trinidad's rules. FIFA say you, you're not allowed to on-sell them. He goes, well, I have on-sold them. They go – All right, well, oh, tough, we're disappointed. A bit disappointed, but, but – uh, let so this be a lesson to you. Don't don't do it again. I, I, I hesitate to ask, but is the ethics committee, the FIFA ethics committee, up and running at this point? <laughs> I think we're we're still. Oh. It's two thousand six. They get formed, so they're still not even in around. So that just stops. So that's Warner and yeah. Blazer, right? Well, that's These are the guys. Brilliant. They're going to come back into this story. We've got to all, remember they are the tiniest part of this whole thing. Yeah, they're, it's they're, a, they're, it's a tale. But they're some of the most powerful. Both of them on the X code. They got all this money. They're meeting Putin. This is absurd. And they're so This is powerful. a Dr. Strangelove type of yeah. satire of, of just absurdity. And Blatter's just like, yeah, fine. It's whatever. He's just like, I need them. I need these guys. So like, you got to remember Blatter, if we go back to Blatter for yes. a second, he's got guys like this behind him. 
he's won that challenge in 2002 for FIFA president. He doesn't face another presidential challenge up until 2011. So he's just got free reign, right? So all the stuff that comes later and everything. For this point, for most of 2000 up to 2011, no one's even like like challenging him. So he starts throwing out a lot of ideas. This is where he gets. He's like Caligula. You know when he (laughs) ordered his troops to attack the papyrus reeds? They do it. You've got to do it. He's the boss. So in 2004, he comes out and he's got some ideas about how to improve women's football. Okay. Because he's got strong ties got, to the <laughs> female community. So he says, let the women play in more feminine clothes like they do in volleyball. They could, for example, have tighter shorts. Female players are pretty, <laughs> if you excuse me for saying so. And they already have some different rules to men, such as playing with a lighter ball. The decision was taken to create a more female aesthetic. So why not just do it for fashion? Norwegian footballer Lisa Clavenesk responded to his suggestion by saying, as footballers, we have to think practically. If the crowd only wants to come and watch models, then they should go and buy a copy of Playboy. You must remember, he was formerly on the Friends of Suspenders (laughs) Committee. Yeah. And he still holds a strong attachment (laughs) to the good old days. What about Suspenders? So he just comes out and says this stuff. It's absolutely great. What year was that? That's 2004. Did that cause outrage? Yeah, yeah. So it did. It did, yeah, yeah. It caused outrage. Probably not as much as it would now, but it it was still seen as pretty. He also suggested they should take their tops off and wave their jerseys (laughs) above their head after a goal celebration. He's he's, he's the sort of guy like, like, let's ban sports bras, like kind of guy. Like, he's just, he's an ideas man. But you remember, there's a host of things he says all the time. May 2004, South Africa secure the decisive vote for the World Cup. Right. And remember the how big that was. And this was a big part of right back to Havelange and then Blatter, them promising Africa, you will get. Is this post-apartheid? This is post-apartheid. Nelson Mandela's in charge. And now you can have your... They're saying, and, and they were meant to get it in 2006, except the French bought that and beat South Africa. And so, so the South Africans thought that's that. right. FIFA quickly rush in what they call a rotation policy, which is... Continents who have won it in the previous year or, or bid can't do it the next one. So the only countries really bidding for it in this year were Africa. The rotation policy was in for just this one. <laughs> like they just, they the just, fast-tracked the They basically fudge a way to come up d- yeah. to do it right. Nelson Mandela, he backs the bid, comes out, and when the outcome comes that he's won, he holds the world trophy a lot when it's announced it's going to be in South Africa. And he's in like, I think he's 80s at this point. He, he says, I feel like a young man of 50. So this is, you, get, you know, they're so, it's, that's how big it is, Nelson Mandela. And South Africa's delegation, this shows you how fast it's moved for, after apartheid. Yes. It's Nelson Mandela and Nobel Peace Prize winner uh, de Klerk, the last president of the apartheid era, and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Uh, so, you know, they've got a pretty That's uh, big guns. Yeah. Now, of course, this is in 2004, this is, they win this. In 2015, um, it's revealed that officials from the South African Big Committee had secured the right to host the World Cup by paying $10 million in bribes to then FIFA Vice President Jack Warner and to other FIFA executive members. So an actual bribe, not uh, not a no, jet, no. not a corporate jet, not a... a you, know. you know what South Africa say? And this becomes important, yes. this bribe, because this is well-documented right. and ends up being problematic down the track. Yes. They give it to Warner and at the Caribbean Football Union and they say it's a payment in honour and to support the 
African diaspora from, you know, all the slaves that got taken from Africa, the, oh, the Caribbean. Jesus. They say it's an acknowledgement of that. Oh. Everyone else goes, it's a bribe. They, like, let's not. Um, There's no rules here, is there? There's no. <laughs> just, Chuck Blazer later goes on in, on the record. This is down the track when it has all gone pear-shaped. He says, I and others on the FIFA exec. So this is Chuck Blazer, the American yeah. with the big beard. And this is how we know this is all true. He said, I and others on the FIFA executive committee agreed to accept bribes in conjunction with the selection of South Africa as the host nation of, for the 2010 World Cup. So it's end of story. End of story. But no one knows this in 2004, right? It's Nelson Mandela sure. celebrating. In 2006, there's a really interesting thing of just shows you how FIFA operate. Mm. FIFA has had for the past 16 years, this is leading into the 2006 World Cup, they've had MasterCard as their key sponsor. And MasterCard around this time in 2005, 2006, uh, they lose this partnership after 16 years to Visa. The direct opposition. Yeah. So this is a big thing, you know, because this is by this point, like these are proven things, not like in 78 when they started to come in. Yep. So FIFA, it turns out, had confirmed to MasterCard that they would keep working with them and would, would said basically, we'll re-sign with you. Or under the contract, it said you have to give MasterCard the first right to sign you. This goes to court. MasterCard end up suing when they don't get it. The chief judge of the US District Court, where it goes, she signs off at a 125-page opinion that basically condemns all the senior figures in FIFA from the employees, the office holders and committee members, including <laughs> Jerome Valky, who's the marketing head, and Chuck Blazer, the American. <laughs> Chuck's who, been known. Chuck's there. She comes out and says that they basically did this thing where MasterCard were told that they were going to be dealt with first yes. and they had the right to sign the deal or not. And they didn't tell them they were negotiating with Visa, right? So they lie to MasterCard and say, we're not negotiating with Visa. You, uh, as the contract says, we will negotiate with you first. You have first right. Right. They don't do that. They're also talking to Visa. Visa say, does MasterCard have this first right clause? FIFA says no. They don't have it. So they lie to Visa and they lie to MasterCard, right? This all comes out that they have lied about all this. Why would they not go back to MasterCard? And give them the I think Visa right. are offering more and they just don't want to go through the problem of having to go through to MasterCard at okay. all. Like they just pay, they don't care. And then, then they, the report, the judge says that the FIFA's negotiations lied repeatedly to MasterCard, assuring their long-term partner that they had first right to acquire, um, even though they didn't. They lied to Visa when they repeatedly responded to the direct question of whether MasterCard had any incumbency rights by assuring Visa that MasterCard did not. FIFA then kept Visa up to date with detailed descriptions of where things were in their negotiations with MasterCard while concealing from MasterCard the fact <laughs> that they were even talking to Visa, right? And a lot of this is like the this judge is, is even going, why are you doing this, right? Yeah. The judge said, Chuck Blazer, so our American bearded friend, his testimony at this trial was generally without credibility based on his <laughs> attitude and demeanour and on his evasive answers on cross-examination. Based on his evasive answers and his attitude to me, Mr. Blazer's testimony as of March 14, 2006, is rejected as fabricated. Wow. That's right? solid. They say portions of the FIFA's witnesses, so all the people who testified on FIFA's behalf, are credible, but concluded that overall their testimony was generally not credible. So they say a few witnesses are okay, but generally it's not credible based on their attitude, demeanor, 
varying degrees of impeachment they suffered. In contrast, the MasterCard witnesses were credible based on their attitude and demeanor and all other evidence in the case. MasterCard get told they can sue them further, but they basically decide they've had enough of FIFA. They accept a $90 million US compensation okay. payment and go away and go, Good we're done you. with you, right? Valky, you've got to remember, who's the marketing yes. head, is the head of marketing. He is shamed by this court thing to the point where he leaves his head of marketing yeah. and you would think that, you know, that's uh, the end of him. Bladder appoints him general secretary of FIFA, the number two in charge a few <laughs> weeks, months later. He's just as shocking as the guy from the Cayman Islands. Was... <laughs> so the guy who's just done it, just cost them $90 million. is getting promoted. And gets well basically done. become second in charge. Well, he's climbing the ladder. <laughs> he is up there and about. That's an incredible story. So this is just shows with the MasterCard ruling, the MasterCard themselves, who are hardly... You just know, the fact that FIFA are so in on credit cards. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure the visas probably never got traced back to them. I or, know. You know hmm, where can we embezzle money if we had a Visa or MasterCard? Yeah. That would have been the pitch. I know, and Visa and MasterCard, We're, you would hardly say, are like these benevolent corporate citizens. They're like these ruthless financial totally. companies. They get taken to the cleaners by FIFA. Even like, they are out, Even they. Uh, you know outraged. FIFA's headquarters is mostly underground. Like they've got about seven levels under the ground. See, it's less than above the ground. In my mind, I've been seeing like a Death Star. No, it's like, no it is like it's, that. It's, it's like, like a Bond like a, villain. And the executive committee meeting room is like they, you can't phones don't work in there. Who knows what's going on in there. soundproof. It's like it's like full cone of silence like. They don't even try to present I'd it. I'd like to get a floor plan <laughs> and I'd like to go to an open for inspection at FIFA headquarters, which is where, to repeat to me. It's Switzerland. in Switzerland, yeah, in Zurich. So it's, and it's, but Guarded it's by the mainly, Swiss Army. Yeah, but mainly you can't see it. So this shows you where FIFA are at, right? They're just dodgy on every level. Like mm. even if it's not out-net corruption, I mean, that's a judge, US judge saying all that. So it's, it's on the record. It's yeah. hardly like, you know, it's accusations. It's, it's proven in court, yeah. right? So this brings us, you know, we're now up to about December 2010. And this is where the awarding of the 2018 and 22 World Cup are decided. Now and for why the, are we doing it? Why is it combined? They combine it to basically figure out that they can sell it as a package. One, they can intensify the bidding around the two World Cups. They can also do all the negotiations around sponsors, TV, everything up. They think it's going to oh, bring so it it's up. A two big, for one. You, selling, two, selling two at once and everything means they can just do a huge amount of, um, okay. of benefit to them financially. I mean, it's all financial, right? It's not like... So here we go. And there was a couple, there's a couple of front runners and big yeah. names in here. I remember this. This is a this big is one. The, now, this is the US are bidding, England are bidding. You've got Qatar, no bigger country than Qatar. You've got Russia. Australia are bidding. We know where we are. That was a yeah. big deal. And so everyone's bidding. And, and weirdly, people at this point... They're all sort of – every country basically admits later they were offering bribes. Who was our prime minister? Rudd, I think, was the, Kevin Well, Rudd he should have offered to go on the blog with Chuck. <laughs> I'm happy to go on a holiday with you and you can post the pics. You can, we'll go on holidays together. We'll go on together. Uh, Hello. Bladder, though, is still, despite everything, there's always rumours of corruption stuff that are around FIFA, but he's riding high. He's got no natural predators. There's no one breathing down his neck. Not really at this point. It starts to get a bit real soon, but it's not real because the success he's had the 
South Africa has been a success financially massively. Yes. And they've pulled off the first one in Africa and it hasn't been an abject disaster. It's gone pretty well. Yeah. And a lot of people predict it would be an abject failure. It goes okay. They make a lot of money out of it. Yeah. So Blatter has got enough. So he goes to CONCACAF's Congress in Miami. Well, they're in Miami now. I thought they were Trump Towers. Well, yeah, but they have the conference in Miami because <laughs> why, you know. So they have the conference in Miami. And Blatter gets up in front of them, and these are his people, with, you know, Ward and, and Blazer and anything. He says, This is the most important meeting he ever addresses. Yeah, at one any of the ones stage, like he's got that anywhere, yeah. this lot. Well, this is how important. He's got all the money from the World 2010 World Cup. And the World Cup is where the FIFA makes all its money at the World Cup. So they get this huge injection yeah. every four years, and then they dole that out over the next four, yeah. and then they have it again. So that's what they make very little money out of other things. So he gets up, and it's just after the World Cup's finished. He pledges an addition $1 million to every member of CONCACAF, calling it a birthday present in honour of the Confederation's 50th anniversary. There's a little envelope so for you. There's a little envelope for you if you all look at well, it. He doesn't even hide it. He just goes, it's it's a present for, it's the 50th anniversary of this Confederation's, so you all get a million dollars. You could call it a bribe, but I'm, it's a present. So it comes to awarding these ones, and look, it's still a bit murky what went on. So, like, what went on? So, uh, can you unpack that, as much? That, there's no doubt this was corrupt. Like, there is, there's a lot proven that proves it's yes. pretty corrupt. So it's not like I'm going out on a limb there, but like a lot of things, we don't know all the levels of it, and we don't know how high it kind of goes. We know some people that definitely took money. And we know others that still claim they had no knowledge or whatever. Bladder yes. is always basically and very good at just remaining a little bit above, even when up people yeah, like, yeah. people come out and say, Bladder knew all about it. And he goes, no, I didn't. No, you can't prove it. But what we do know is of the 22 people Exco members vote on where these two go. Two don't vote because it's normal 24 because they've been banned for alleged corruption. But we'll get into that. <laughs> but of the 22 that do vote, 16 of them, now, looking back, have been implicated or investigated under some form of alleged corruption or brag practice since the vote. 11 of the 22 committee members who voted on the 2018 or 22 tournaments have either been fined, suspended or banned for life or prosecuted for corruption. By who? Who's So so not FIFA, Everyone, it's not an internal investigator. FIFA, FIFA, the, the, the ethics Swiss, committee. The, the FIFA ethics committee. <laughs> the uh, Swiss the Americans got involved. We'll get into the Americans okay. one because that was a big one. So there's been all sorts of... They came for them. They said, we're all, not copping this. And that's interesting how it comes up, but it does. But what we do know around the awarding of the Russian and Qatari World yeah. Cups, right, is FIFA got a $400 million rights deal with Al Jazeera, Qatar's state TV station, just 21 days before the vid's decision. Yes. With an extra $100 million top up should Qatar succeed, FIFA denies that this oh was material God. in any way to the decision. <laughs> it's an extra hundred mil in it for you. Well, yeah, and it's if. it's a total of four hundred million dollar right deal with a hundred million top up. FIFA if go, I'm... this was not material. So half a million dollars not material. Just a chance that that happened twenty one days. Uh, okay, yeah. A guy called Sandro Russell, who had dealings with Qatar, was connected and part of their bid. Yes. He made a payment of 1.45 million euros to the bank account of Ricardo Tashira, who is <laughs> Warner's son-in-law. Oh, he made it to this. Okay, how is that not to his ten-year-old daughter's bank account? 
I see nothing suspicious. In I don't see anything suspicious. It pre, it, Nothing so to see here, people. We know that it had come from the Qataris, that money, so it had all, all gone around and stuff. There was another major piece behind this bid period where there was a lunch in France where Sarkozy, then the president, hosted Michel Platini, and who was the head of UEFA and a key bid on the yep. bid committee. He met with the emir of Qatar, Sarkozy, the mayor of Qatar, yeah. meet with him. Platini switches his vote to Qatar around this time and he denies the two events were ever connected, although since then he's been a bit more. It turns out after the Sarkozy puts the pressure on for him to switch, because yes. Michael Platini is French, the Emir's government would later buy out Paris Saint-Germain, increase its stake in a French media group and buy up the entire rights to French football. And ever since, France has endured very productive commercial relations with Qatar but everyone denies that this has anything to do with it. <laughs> Matt Miller is a former Department of Justice official. He goes over with the Attorney General Eric Holder Eric to Holder. Zurich yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the vote in Zurich on Russia and Qatar that they win. But America is in That's, this. Uh, They're bidding for one of these. It's a law and order chief turning up. Yeah, to... turns up. So this Matt Miller, who's the Department of Justice official, he says, it was the most corrupt thing I've ever seen in my career and I spent a couple of years working in New Jersey politics. <laughs> <laughs> Just weeks before the December 2010 World Cup vote, two Exco members, Nigerian Amos Adamu and Tahitian, this is the thing, it's all these like smaller countries yes. that, um, uh, Reynold Temery, they were suspended by FIFA's Ethics Committee, your favourite thing, mm. following an undercover sting operation by the Times of London that caught them on tape offering to sell their votes in exchange for a six and seven figure bribes. Blatter called it a sad day for football. <laughs> Getting got caught. caught. Yeah. So they're the two. They don't get to vote. Imagine Blatter shaking his head. Yeah. I just don't know. I, this is I'm, I'm shocked. disappointing to us. So but. they can't vote because they're, right. uh, yeah. they're out. But really only because. Seems a bit harsh. The ethics committee had to because the Times had them on tape yeah, agreeing yeah. to sell it. The same ethics panel clears Qatar, the Qatar bid, and the Spain-Portugal <laughs> Spain and Portugal bidding for 2018, Qatar's bidding for 2022. Yeah. Qatar's successful, Spain and Portugal are not. But the Ethics Committee clears Spain and Qatar and Portugal from colluding to vote for each other's, which had been also made by the Sunday Times investigation. Um, but then, so this is all happening. England's annoyed about all this press coming because they're bidding and they're like stop to the press, stop bagging FIFA. Yeah. We're trying to win a World Cup. Yeah, We're trying helping. to. Get, they're odds on to win for 2018. Yeah. Right? Nothing so stupid here. Nothing stupid. Stop it. Several days just out from the vote, they're humiliated. The BBC document accuses three Exco members of taking millions of dollars of bribes from ISL, the old firm yeah, raises its head. They allege that Issa Hayato, who's the president of the Confederation of African Football, who challenged. Um, thing. Ricardo Tashira, whose daughter got the million and a half euros, and Nicholas Leoz, who's uh, president of South American football, they all took bribes during the 90s. So this BBC documentary, like it's old news, but the timing's no, the timing's no right. good. They've done this. Uh, and the report also slams Jack Warner, who is very current, for attempting to scalp more than $80,000 worth of tickets at the 2010 World Cup. So his scalping is just... Yeah, control. England's bid team get word that this program's about to go to air and they try to get the BBC to delay the broadcast until after the yeah. vote. BBC say no and they do it. 
And instead of you'd think this would be met with what what great journalism, the English hierarchy all come out and say this is unpatriotic and embarrassment. I can't believe you're bagging FIFA. Why would you do it? Yeah. FIFA, though, have some encouraging news in their bid for 2018 because Vladimir Putin comes out and says, you know what? I'm not going to come to Zurich for the vote. Putin said this publicly. I'm not coming because like Prince William and all the various presidents and prime ministers are flying into Zurich who are bidding, hoping to be there when it's awarded. Putin says, you know what? I'm not going to come to Zurich for the vote because, you know, the ex-co members of FIFA, they should make their decision in peace and without any outside pressure. (laughs) That's what Putin says publicly. Uh, He's just taking the fears. He just, uh, like, he's, he's he's locked. He he wins 2018. He knows he's got it. And so he goes, you know what? They shouldn't be under I've sent Chuck Blazer my holiday pictures where (laughs) we're away. So all of a sudden, it's announced. And what is amazing in it, I think at this point, you know, this is what blows up FIFA. Russia beat England. Qatar beat America and a few other ones. If England had got one of them or America had got one of them or something. They might have got away with it. They might have got away with it. But the fact it goes to Russia... And then Qatar. You've got some very disappointed big boys. You've got big boys, but also it's just so ridiculous. It's two corrupt regimes. Qatar is just, I mean, Russia you could argue maybe, but like Qatar, it's just, it's still to this day a bonkers decision, (laughs) right? Except Bladder has come out. Did anyone see it coming? Was there a rumour? You know sometimes like a a horse race odds come in just before. It was a real shock. Even Bladder looked shaken. Because I think even he knew that the corruption had... We have finally yeah. just, it, with the spotlight of the world on us, yeah. we have delivered the most outrageous yeah, result that you cannot... Yeah, I think, unless it's so endemic that you can't control it anymore. I don't think he can. Then, then I don't think Bladder could he, even he control He couldn't rein that no. in and go, guys, just word of warning, Qatar can't win this. Yeah, should, have, should have been a memo that went out. No. The 24 was ended up being 22 votes. It was just a free-for-all. And it wasn't like Bladder said, right, we're all voting for these, which Haviland used to do. He'd just say, right, this is the winner. This is the winner. It had got to the point where it was... Here's the envelope. The, bribes, the winner's name is in... The bribes fell where they may kind of thing. And So how has it looked at today? Can I ask you I'm totally about, corrupt. So did they, FIFA, acknowledge in any way that the awarding of to that to Qatar is but sus or was... They kind of don't mention it and there is still on foot investigations into... But they'll be there at the opening of the World Cup with a straight face yeah. sitting in the middle of yeah. a desert. So when they lose, in winter. British press go nuts. They yeah. got just two of their promised votes. So all these people at the last minute, they were Laser being one of them, changed their vote. So England is sure they're going to win, right? That's certainly not. They go nuts in the British press and call FIFA corrupt name. Blatter says it's the English showing themselves to be bad losers. He says that publicly. Julio Gronda, he's the president of the Argentine Football Association. He's a former finance chief of FIFA. And he's really interested about who he voted for. Now, you've got to understand, this is the sort of guy he is, and he's been caught up in corruption, all sorts of stuff. He's the head of Argentinian and a big FIFA player. In 2003, he was asked by a journalist about refereeing standards in Argentina. He said... I do not believe a Jew can ever be a referee at this level. It's hard work and, you know, Jews don't like hard work. He just came out and just put it on the record, right? Like this is the (sighs) sort of guy he is. He came out and did an interview with the German press. They asked, who did you vote for for 2018 and 2022 World Cup hosting rights? He said, yes, I voted for Argentina first of all because a vote for the US would be like a vote for England and that is not possible. 
He just says he doesn't want Incredible. it. He said, with the English bid, I said, when the English bid met with him and asked for his vote, he said, let us be brief. If you give back the Islas Malvinas, which is the Falkland Islands, <laughs> which belong to us, well, you will get my vote. That's what he says to the English when they come and ask. He says, they then became sad and left. <laughs> so we know that Argentina, that's the most valid reason you've given me so far for not Voting for they, England. That's the what, yeah. Now, in testimony to a UK parliamentary inquiry board in May 2011, David Treisman, who was part of the English bid, he put this on a parliamentary inquiry. He said this publicly. He said, when we met with Trinidad and Tobago's Jack Warner, they, he demanded $4 million for an education centre in his country. He said, Paraguay's Nicolas Leos asked for an honorary knighthood in exchange for his votes. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, it's just so they don't even know what to ask for anymore. No, it's I'm, just I'm like, like a like Arabian this. stallion <laughs> and a dancing horse with <laughs> a monkey on it. I just, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So that's what have you got? So I'll leave some of the things that happened around the malarkey that happened around yes. these bids because we're going to get to when this all falls apart in the next episode. But that is where we're up to. That is how we've got to. <laughs> there is no doubt that this was. Actually, Putin flies in once it's been announced and, like, is glad handling and How is around. that? Yeah, I'm not coming. Yeah. And yeah I'm not coming. I want to put, be seen to be putting pressure on these guys. Wow. And the English are in shock and the Americans are in shock. Also, too, with America, that's a great growth area for sport. It's like if you yeah. were being really diligent about this organisation and growing the game, yeah. I would have thought the sleeping giant on the world stage is America. Yeah. And if you took the World Cup to America and fired up, yeah, put the world's eyes upon it and the game there. You can only—that's rivers of gold. But, but this is the amazing thing, like Qatar. So if they had given, if Russia had beaten England, it would have been one thing. But a lot of the countries in FIFA and around the world, for a lot of reasons, historical yeah. reasons, don't like England. And I think would have gone bad luck to England. And England, they could always say you've had real problems with hooliganism and violence and yeah. stuff. That was always the the knock on England, right? The thing is, if they'd given Russia 2018, but then given the a few US in Russia too, by no, the way. I know, but then given the US 2022, yes. The scary thing is, I think FIFA would have almost got through all of this okay because people would have gone Russia, yeah, but US is oh, like a, and the US would have been like great FIFA on board with us. The fact they managed to annoy almost everyone, but it was just also just the massive greedy overreach that they had put their bribes before what was. A even vaguely sensible decision. Russia could always be sold. Qatar could never be sold as a leg- like that anyone in their right mind, if they weren't being bribed, there's just no reason to give it to Qatar. There's just no. The idea that the country that invented the game is not seen as a better venue than Russia. Than Russia. Yeah. And then I think also now as Qatar approaches the Russian decision with what's happened in mm. Russia. Yeah. Since 2018 and since this decision is now seen as even like what's happened to England? Worse and that... worse and worse. So when we come back, yes, we're going to cover off where this all falls apart. This is going to be fun. This is the 2010 awarding of the 2018 and yep. 2022 World Cups is the absolute peak of corruption <laughs> in FIFA. I the corruption wait. doesn't stop, but this is where. People start to, it, it starts to implode. Can't wait. 
This is going to come home with a bit of wind in the sails. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this epic Shakespearean drama <laughs> concluding soon. Thank you, Titus. If you'd like more Sports Bazaar, things get even bizarrer, join our membership program, Bazaar Plus. Very easy to do. Just follow the link in the show notes for this podcast or go to bazaarplus.com to join Bazaar Plus, our membership program. Cheers.